Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Capella. I am one of your hosts, Brian Alexander. Joining me as always is... Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how are you doing today? Brian, I'm so exhausted. Oh, one of those weeks, huh? <laughs> totally one of those weeks, and it <laughs> sucks. Work's been a little draining. I mean, I still love my job, but I've been like ready to take a nap. Man, isn't that the case? Like every day you just feel like you no, just need that point? Oh man, I'm so surprised. I, that's like the biggest thing I hear from people. Like, I mean, I these days I'm just naps. like fired up and could work forever, but... Oh, really? Okay. You're definitely an anomaly here. That's that's different. I'm a little bit of a workaholic, so there's that. How are mm. you? I, I'm doing well, you know. We're almost there, almost at the weekend, and so I got no complaints right now. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm good. Good. Well, also, I'm glad that, you know, we're both still managing and, you know, doing the best we can there. So yep. that's always great. I'll just blame everything <laughs> on COVID. That's the rule these days. Blame it all on the COVID. I am super excited for today's episode because we have two of Acaville's very own joining us. We have the host of the Headroom Podcast. Joining us is Ricky Jabberine and Kyle Howard. How are you doing today? Great. How's it going? Thanks for having us. I have like so much anxiety feeling like I'm going to be judged by fellow podcasters today. We will remember <laughs> every yes, you say. I, we will remember every I, um you iterate. Oh, I mean, I'm going <laughs> to stop talking. <laughs> I think that's just part of like, you know, being a performer, being, you know, us as podcast hosts and stuff like that. You just naturally pay attention to well, those things. Okay. I'm even more self-conscious now than I have been because my parents were visiting and I played a snippet of one of our podcasts for my dad and he mm -hmm. like started laughing at me and I'm like, I already hate the sound of my mm -hmm. voice. Thanks, dad. <laughs> You know, that's just, you know, it's funny. My friend was uh, listening to our podcast and he was like, I've never heard you sound so serious. <laughs> like, wow. Like you're a different person mm -hmm. when you get behind a microphone. It's, Is that what you're saying? It's not that I think I sound serious. It's that I think I sound like a 10 year old girl Man. or a 10 year old boy. I mean, they sound the same. Yeah, that that's pretty bad. I, I don't even know what to say to that right there. But yeah, like I said, man, Ricky, Kyle, we're so glad that you guys are joining us. And this is going to be a very fun, exciting episode. Just to kick things off here, can you both individually tell us a little bit about yourself specifically? You know, how did you get involved with acapella? And yeah, anything else you wanted to share with us about your music? Yeah. So Why don't you go <clears> this, Kyle? I grew up in, uh, in the out, out suburbs of Philadelphia and my dad signed me up for choir one day and I yelled at him. I said, I, that's the last thing I want to do. You know, I play sports. So that's what I'm into. And a year in, I was I was hooked, you know. So I followed along with the junior high school choir. The senior high school went in select choir, and then said, you know what, I don't really want to give this up just quite yet. And I found acapella as that niche when I went to Penn State. It's funny. I don't know. I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but like before I actually went up to school there, because Ricky and I are both graduates of Penn State, I actually emailed this guy that was oh, cool. starting this group called the Code of Conduct. I didn't even realize it. Like three years later, like that was Ricky. I emailed him when I was in, yeah, when I was like 18 what? years old. Yeah. What are the um, chances? <laughs> but I would spent time in a co-ed group, the Penharmonics, and a uh, an all-male group, the Statesman. And I was really fortunate to be surrounded by just a lot of talented people, composers, arrangers, musicians, a lot of them that actually perform professionally now. And once I kind of got exposed to that, I said, I, I want to keep doing this even after college. You know, and I found that doing production for Cutoff Studios is a really nice balance with my life because it's not something that I need to sit down down eight or 10 hours a day to do, but I can sit down and kind of do it my own pace uh, and still keep it as something extra and fun in my life. I'm going to oh. I'm going to have like a mom moment. I'm not a mom, but I have mom moments. Have you thanked your father? No, yet? I have not actually. It's so funny. Yeah, I, I have to do that. Yeah. I have to be like, hey, remember when I yelled at you for that? And I was like 12 years old. He's gonna be like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
now it's like yeah. everything I do. So, you oh know. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say, yeah, I did when I got to like, when I graduated from high school, but I was not expecting you to say no. I'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have to, I have to ask just because that last comment you made about, uh, you know, being able just to sit down and kind of, kind of felt like unwind with production stuff. Is that more of a kind of cathartic thing for you or is it? You know what? Like Most of the time it feels like a hobby still. And I think it's because I personally don't rely on it for income and it's not like i have to do something in order to meet ends for something you know there are times when it's more convenient for us to meet certain deadlines for clients or for friends and it kind of we get lost you know we realize oh my gosh it's what time right now and i've been working on this for how many hours that's kind of some of the fun of it still is that you can get lost in it and like lose track of time because you're just so headfirst in whatever you're doing wow that's awesome that's great to hear all right what about you ricky what about yourself yeah, so let's see. It's a funny story. I was a huge emo kid in like middle school, <laughs> high school, right? Weren't we so all? that's how I got yeah, Maybe into it's music. Maybe it's just me really. that was there with you, but I feel yeah. Right, right, right. So music came to the picture with like those bands like Linkin Park and going into, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other yeah. bands that I loved. Oh, Thrice was a big one. I think that they were the ones that made me pick up my first guitar. So I started playing guitar and then I started a band. We were terrible. <laughs> but no. But the good thing that came out of it was that it taught me you know music theory things like that and then that's when i started learning about harmonies and then that's when i got into singing i joined the choir late into high school and then in uh, college i found acapella and i joined a group called blue in the face then started a group towards the end of my college years the code of conduct when i tried to recruit kyle but didn't end up getting him but it's all right yeah and then you know since then i had started arranging for groups and then i got myself into production uh, a couple years later to acapella festivals and it was one year of so jam i think it was 2016 that i met mike jankowski uh, who's part of acapella productions and we were just we were just chatting it up at the at the after party and i told him that i i like to dabble with music production and since then he brought me on board and yeah the rest is history so now i'm doing acapella like for i guess a lot now <laughs> <laughs> so i want to i wonder yeah. if i can just take like a quick random poll here and it's something i've never asked on the show and i don't know why it's taking me this long to ask but it it was inspired by Ricky, you saying that you play guitar. Who else on this on our show tonight actually plays an instrument? I'm curious. I've never asked our guests who actually plays instruments. Nope. Quit, quit piano in like sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just me. All right. So Alicia and Ricky both play instruments. Wow. What did you play? I played the piano and the violin. Interesting. So. Hmm. I was just curious about that. It was just so random. But, I mean, uh, I don't play either of them well anymore, but I know how to play them still. Well, it works. All right. So so you mentioned Penn State. So we got the connection there. I was very curious on, you know, how everything, the partnership got started. And so you both are at Penn State. Were you there at like the tail end of each other's times or they're at the same time or what how exactly did the the meeting happen did you say you met through code of conduct or so i i finished in, oh, in 2016 oh, sorry, freshman year. and i think ricky you graduated what 2017 oh no, gosh no, I, no. i'm sorry i did my math wrong i stayed in <laughs> yeah. the town for ricky two was a nine years no i'm kidding oh okay no yeah <laughs> like super victory <laughs> lap there okay yeah oh yeah the college twice no actually I'll, no. I'll comment on something though so like i mean ricky and i actually like got going and working together when we when ricky really got brought people together and brought the group Flex together in Philadelphia. So we both sing right now with four other other individuals and we're just a semi-pro group and we haven't done much recently really because of the COVID and other things going on. But it was kind of then that we said, hey, you know, why don't we try producing our own group a shot? 
And then we said from there, like, you know what? We kind of talked about how we learned everything and the struggles we had. And some time later, after we finally sat down and said, we have time for this, that we we decided to say, you know, we should kind of give back and share what we learned just because it's, it's not obvious. You know, this is such a niche thing that we do. And right now, it's it was like the perfect time for us to kind of, you know, introduce this to the community because everyone wants to learn this right now. But it wasn't really until after school that we we made a connection and started uh, talking more. I just answered that question. <laughs> well, I, I was found it I found it interesting that you bring up the relevance of everything right now because as you mentioned, I'm like I feel like there's we've actually had our previous guests and it might have been even a few other guests that joined us. They had just started a group like right before everything happened with COVID, and so you bring up this idea of kind of having some resources, being knowledgeable in production stuff, super timely, super relevant, but stuff that you know groups needed. A, even before COVID, but even more important now. And so it's really interesting that all of this kind of worked out. I am curious, kind of talk to us a little bit about how, like what inspired your podcast, what inspired Headroom. Can you tell us like, have you, did either of you have any prior experience with podcasts prior to Headroom? To answer your question, no, we've we've never done a podcast before. At least I haven't. Headcast before. Oh. I have once for the (laughs) uh, head voice. I don't like to listen to that episode, actually. <laughs> so I, I'm curious as to, so you ta- you talked about why you wanted to like share your, like the information that, that you kind of learned throughout your process. Why did you select a podcast as your avenue for that? I'm curious. I think I personally did it because I like learning that way. I like having someone talk through something. I also am a busy person. So I think it's a lot easier for me to just put on a pair of headphones and on my commute when I'm going places, sit down and have it going on in the background. And I think it's it's a more accessible way versus like setting time aside to potentially read or like setting time aside to sit down at the computer and learn. It's kind of nice hearing what other people have to say. So I don't know. I think that podcasts in general have gotten really popular in the past couple of years. So I thought that was kind of an appropriate way to go about it. So uh, I also like the authenticity of those podcasts because especially when we're having interviews with other producers you know they are as they're talking about the processes there it's, it's very conversational whereas like you have youtube tutorials where everything is structured sometimes we want that that organic field and so we kind of get a, a sense of like what's going through their head as they're talking about things like recording vocals or or those technical things like eq and compression or whatever so I'm curious, just because our, our listeners out there, we might have some listeners that might not be familiar with you all's show. What what exactly is the format? So we know that you all invite, you know, these kind of like professionals and experts that come on and talk production. But what's the format? What's the schedule? Like, what do you guys, is there a flow to how things run on you all's show? So we have, right now we put out two types of episodes. One is the interview format where we uh, reach out to, I guess you'll call, we'll call them like experienced producers, veteran producers. And we, throughout each episode, we would ask them about how they got started into music production. And we would actually break down some of the mixes that that they did. As we talk to the producers, we we just get a, a feel for how how they approach their mixes and the other the headroom bits. Product, like, so the the uh, other half of what we're we're making yeah, right now yeah, and good. what we hope to expand upon are what we call headroom bits and are really just like the straight educational consumer like a bit more structured form of of understanding what production is because so much of what we talk about are questions that we came up with but you don't know what you don't know until you like start to ask questions and actually 
actually experiment. So we expect that a lot of people that might be stumbling across this podcast have no idea what the hell we're talking about. When we're like, wait, you said like like EQ compression, <laughs> Melodyne, Pro Tools, Ableton, all these programs. So those are really to kind of fill in the gaps for people and say, hey, listen, like if you don't know what we're talking about, it's probably mm-hmm. a good idea if you're looking to really take this seriously and get better at it to then go listen to the, the episodes we have that are a bit more educational. And that's kind of what the bits are for. And we, we're, we're starting general, but pretty soon here, we're going to start with more Q&As and basically directly engaging the community to say, hey, like, what do you want us to talk about? What are you struggling with right now? What are you trying to do? That way, we can just be so much more relevant to the people out there that are listening. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned that you all do a little bit of a tutorial in there. So you're saying that you'll like sit down and like analyze or examine a, a mix right there on the show. Is that correct? Yeah, with our guests. So we would pick out one or two songs that they want to talk about. And before the before we record the episode, Kyle and I listened to it at our own time. And we would jot down the things that we liked and what things that we liked about the mix and ask them, well, how did you achieve this specific effect? Because there are some things that we don't know as well. So Kyle and I are also learning as we're interviewing these these other producers. So it's also educational for us. I find that super important because as much as we are, you know, living this digital age now and with acapella, so many more groups doing, you know, videos and doing their own albums and stuff in-house. I think sometimes we forget that there are a lot of groups that don't do this regularly. You know, you see groups like, you know, the Beelzebubs or SoCal Vocals, people that put out albums on a consistent basis and you think, oh, this is the standard, but there are so many up and coming groups or groups who might have been out there for 10 or so years that putting out albums and stuff is not their thing, not anything that they've done. So I like this kind of whole concept of, okay, this is what you're hearing. This is what you need to do. And this is, you know, we're doing a live demonstration. I find that really cool. Well, what I, what I really like about what I'm hearing is you, you talked about how you have those headroom bits. And so if somebody's not super familiar with like the terms that you're using or what it, like the technical piece of it, that they can go learn more about that. I mean, personally, and I'm not saying this just because you're on our show. I mean, I'm going to be checking out your podcast because I want to learn more about the production side of things. I know about this much or this much for the for our listeners i'm like holding my fingers very close together because i really don't know much if anything about production and so i mean that's something that's very exciting to me and knowing that you both are also learning as you're going i mean to me as as i guess like a spectator or a listener it makes you that much more relatable to me which i think is really cool so i'm curious so it sounds like a a great chunk of what you all are doing is as you mentioned educational is there anything else like in terms of you know your hopes for the show that you hope listeners take away from your show outside of the the education aspect because for me production itself is just really cool and fascinating you know just mess of music is kind of cool so i don't know if you all get any kind of personal gratification just you know in that sense but is there anything else that you're hoping the show could evolve into or become i think along like like down the road really just getting more people involved it, it's great to interview all of these these big time i mean to us big time mixing engineers but it's really great to see like new people get involved and actually like take this seriously because the more people that we get involved in this the better it is for really like the entire community because there's like been this giant 
like mm-hmm. conversation for a long time that says, you know, why isn't acapella as mainstream as pop music? And it, it's really, some yeah. of it actually comes down to like the technicality of production too, right? You know, that's why like Ed Boyer does mm-hmm. pentatonics mixes and like all, and like they sound flawless, right? Like we all love the way that they sound and subconsciously yeah. part of the way that we love and what we love about that is the production. So if we kind of create more of a conversation, mm-hmm. it's just going to kind of cycle back and get to like just the growth of the community. And I mean, that's that's kind of how I look at it. I also look back at like the personal frustrations I had was like, well, I just wanted this to sound like a nice tuned vocal and I can't do it. And no one out here, like, I don't want to learn how to EQ or compress my drums because I don't have a drum kit. I don't have a guitar. It's like I have, I have vocals and then I make them sound like drums. And so part of it is like I like struggled so much that I like kind of want to be like, hey, it's OK. Like, we're here for you. Like, we, we were there. So there's so many different softwares, right, for mixing and producing music. For someone who's just starting out, what software would you recommend as being the most user-friendly? I would always recommend whatever is in their arsenal, right? So if you have them, there's GarageBand, right? GarageBand has all of the basic functionalities for uh, tracking vocals, basic EQ and compression. It's it's all there, really. And I think that's where that's a good place to start. And then once you're ready to take on bigger tasks and want to get into some heavy mixing, then you might want to upgrade to something like Logic Pro. But there's no shame in using GarageBand. And I, I, I'm pretty sure we there are pop artists that exist today that record exclusively on GarageBand, which is awesome. Very yeah. Cool. What about um, Windows? Because, I mean, we're not all like Brian yeah. and have a Mac. Hey, I don't right. personally have a Mac. This is like a work computer. <laughs> oh, okay. These things are not cheap. Yeah. I can afford this. So my first software as a Windows user was Audacity. Okay. Oh, nice. Um, it was, yeah, it was very limited, but it taught me enough about the process of tracking. Right. I now, mean, at the time when I was learning, I was tracking guitars and, you know, real instruments, but it still had you know, all the basic controls and, and taught me, like, how should I track my guitars? All right, well, I, I should track each guitar riff twice, pan them left and right. Like, those are things things that we learn as in production just to beef up the quality a bit, right? Now, so if you want to upgrade from Audacity, because I don't think it's the most user-friendly, but there's something that you could check out, which it's called Reaper, right? Reaper has a 60-day trial. It has everything uh, you need to mix uh, track and things like okay. that. I think Tat Tong, he's a, a, one of the big time acapella producers. Uh, he use, exclusively uses Reaper. Now, after that trial, it will cost 60 bucks, which isn't a lot compared right. to other right. it's not bad. Uh, yeah. software that exists. Yeah, 60 bucks is, isn't too bad. I say those two, okay. GarageBand and Reaper. Very cool, thank you. I, I think that if I had a Mac, I would probably use Logic. I think if you have a Mac, you should use Logic because it seems easy to use. Like I watch videos, I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of nice that they just did that. And also like the software that the program comes with works great, but I use Pro Tools and Pro Tools is great. It does a million and one things. It does way many more things than you need it to. Yeah. And in that aspect, it's kind of annoying. Right. But I, I think <laughs> if you're like really serious about getting into this before you go forward with like potentially even like buying a program or like buying a bunch of gear, see if you can connect with someone and have them send you some files to play around with. Because I feel like when you actually get the files to do something, you find out if you really want to sit down to actually do it. Like, so you'll get the files and be like, I got to go do something else now because I can't figure out what to do. So see your way through it. So trial and error is kind of your friend in this case. 
case. Yeah, I, I love that point about reaching out and seeing if someone will be able to send you some actual files to work on. I, I feel like a lot of people, they go out there, they purchase a the software and stuff, and they're just sitting here. I'm like, okay, well, now what do I do? We'll get, the, <laughs> get the experience. So that's a great point to make. And on that note, we do unfortunately have to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to continue speaking with Ricky Jabarine and Kyle Howard right here on Talkapel in just a few minutes. Talkaville is broadening our network. We're introducing a new show and podcast called Vocal Perspective, hosted by myself, Rachel Schoenbaum, and the amazing Amanda Cornaglia. Each week, we speak with a new female or female-identifying member of the acapella community to talk about ideas, themes, and topics that affect us. Tune in at Acaville on Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, or on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Acaville, home of vocal perspective. And welcome back to Talk Acapella. That's right. We are here on the show today with the co-hosts of Acaville Radio's Headroom, which is a podcast for aspiring music engineers. So we're here with Ricky Jabarin and Kyle Howard. And we've been talking about kind of the makeup of their show, what goes into mixing, different softwares that could be potentially beneficial for someone who's just starting out. I am curious, Ricky and Kyle, where your individual tastes lie when it comes to studio acapella. Are you more purists when it comes to mixing that sound and engineering? Or are you really heavy on the production side? Which do you lean towards? I think I lean towards the the heavy production side, right? Because studio is a I feel like a different animal where you can experiment with all these different things and because you're you're not limited to just being on the stage in front of with your mic and just singing out because if you want pure acapella just go to a live show right yeah i know you can't do that with covid but you know if i wanted that like that true authentic experience i'll just go to a live show but if i want to listen to studio acapella i need those quote-unquote <laughs> <eargasms. I need laughs> yes for some yes. people eargasms are like those like really nice chords that ring but for yeah. me that is like some really cool delay effect or some weird electronic sound oh nice that's happening. and every time things like that or moments like that happen in a mix, I always try to uh, reverse engineer it, right? Like, how did this engineer pull this off? I think that's what makes uh, studio acapella interesting for me. That's interesting. Okay. What, what about you, Kyle? Um, you know what? I, I have to admit, I think I am the same way as Ricky, but I do think that being a purist comes down to really, like, delivering a great performance and there being a good arrangement that's at hand. I think if you don't meet those two criteria, then like the production side of things will never make up for it. I think the production side of things can really take a mix and a performance to the next level, right? But, and like, it's it's a simple mm-hmm. concept of like throwing a really, you know, ethereal reverb on like an entire group and like feeling like the space of a moment. But like, if the performance isn't there, then like, it just does the opposite and makes it sound like, it sounds like takes it out of place. But I don't know. So like, I, I kind of think that I'm split down the middle because I've been listening recently to a lot of mixes that people send us like, oh, people post in Facebook, like, oh, what do you think of this? And like, we'll give them notes. And like, there are some of the mixes that are like, from a technical standpoint, not good, but the performances are there. And like, you mm-hmm. sit down, you're like, whoa, like, despite like, everything else going on especially to like someone who has a like probably better ear than others to listen for something you can still actually connect with the song so it it really goes back and forth but i think like on a day-to-day basis all the fun stuff with production like pop music and like 
even things that aren't acapella, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun to listen to. So I'm curious, uh, how much production is too much? When someone who doesn't know anything about like music or doesn't listen to music is just like, that's not, that's not real. It's like we can go zero <laughs> to T-Pain, right? Like that's like our scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But like, I was literally like, like I love <laughs> music. It's great. Yeah. Great. It's great. <laughs> no, I'm curious, good. but you mentioned that a track can be technically bad but or you know just it doesn't live up to what it's supposed to but that the performance could could i was wondering if you could like elaborate do you have like an example or not necessarily a specific group but just a, a concept that that comes to mind because that that idea just it really fascinates me but I, i'm curious um, what you're so like about. a lot of the videos in like the box videos that we've been seeing are like a perfect example right so if you mm -hmm. are recording on your iphone microphone and you're sitting outside like on a bench and like there's wind it's not really going to sound good. And like, there are certain things that I think, at least to me, distract me from what is going on. And if the performance is so captivating yeah. and like the arrangement and like the way everything's brought together is so good, but like there's all this wind going on, like the idea is for, for us to get so lost in the song that we forget about everything else that's happening is that we're just waiting for what's coming next mm -hmm. and not worried about like the high end essiness of a solo or like the way that a snare sounds boxy or like the overabundance of bass things like that that like kind of technically get in the way that's all okay that makes a lot of sense now not hearing that aloud and i'm really enjoying just you all's opinions and takes on this because for the longest time at least in my early stages of just discovering acapella i was definitely one of those people that you know i was more purist it was just like no i have to be able to know that the human voice is capable of doing this and it's not being masked by these other things and i was just of the mindset just like if you can't if it, there's a track because i know lots of groups they put tracks on their albums that you know you couldn't fathom like performing live because there's so many effects going on and i was just like whoa whoa that's way too much but now i've just kind of switched and so i get the i get the balance of it all now and i think just i was there with you man well, I, I have to tell you a funny story because my first acapella group we were all purists i don't know yeah. how it happened but we like if you weren't a purist like they were judging you so i was like okay right. well everyone is into pure acapella right mm -hmm. so we decided to record an album a 10 track album and the music director at the time was very clear with the engineer we don't want any tuning yeah there you go <laughs> what? Yeah, you, what that was an I actual just, request yes we want no tuning. Oh, we just no. want reverb because we don't need it literally just reverb and, yeah oh y'all are that good yeah <laughs> and you know gullible like 19 20 year old me is it was like yeah well whatever the music director wants is we're gonna go with it we we get the album back like two months later or something and i'm like oh my god i can't listen to this <laughs> i mean it was fun the experience was great just being with the group and just uh -huh. tracking with them but i could never listen to it. <laughs> like, this is yeah. not seeing the light of day so i gotta ask was that, was that actual album released then it's on spotify <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. Okay, now I'm like super curious about this now. Wow. Yeah, I will send you the link okay. privately. I want, I want the link as well. Please do. But at that moment, that's when I decided, no, we need production. We need tuning. I, I so get you because it, it's funny. This actually happened to me the other day. Our very first year of our group, me and a buddy co-founded our college group. And for some reason, we decided at the end of that first year, we want to just record all the songs that we performed over that year. And we never released it to the public, but we did record a few 
songs and I just listened to it the other day because it popped up on my phone and I was like this is absolute garbage <laughs> this is terrible I can't believe we thought this was a good idea yeah I know what you mean oh my goodness I could come up with so much garbage that I have recorded <laughs> right not, I, I not necessarily oh. tied to any particular group but uh -huh. yeah oh well there's like a million videos that I recorded on my phone that I would never show to the world <laughs> I'm just like no this is not happening interesting all right so I'm curious so knowing that both of you all kind of been involved in the collegiate scene before I'm curious if you've heard the news about varsity vocals and their 2021 competition and it's going to take on this virtual format groups are going to have to do a lot of their own production and I know that while groups are becoming more self-dependent in this area many still you utilize you know the services of like the vocal company and cutoff studios and things like that to do their work I'm curious on what your take is on the current state of groups as well as individuals being able to handle production for themselves do you feel that that's are we at that point where enough groups should be self-sufficient enough or is there still a learning curve here i guess before getting into my my personal opinion about the matter we at cutoff studios i think for about two two and a half years now have been running what is like a production internship it's so much less fancy than like what like it like the title says right it's kind of just like hey like we're gonna hold your hand and guide you through like a start to finish production project is really what it is and like we've had some people that have been like really involved in like are doing really great things like with what they've learned and the experience they got and then like on the other hand we have people that kind of just wanted to be a part of it to like help out their group and like lost interest two weeks in that kind of thing and i think that we're going to see a lot of that i think that we're going to see a lot of like yeah basically and I, I i say this a lot too it's like if someone messes up the recording then like something else is like the, the way that you edit it's going to be harder and the way that you mix that edit's going to be even harder mm -hmm. and people are going to find themselves getting to the end of this and being like why is this so difficult and like it's going to be because like they didn't get like the first thing right but uh, do i think that groups are ready to do this absolutely not <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> oh, no. listen, like it's there's a lot going into it, right? It's not like I, I think about how long it, it yeah. took me and like, I, I don't know who who knows like what they're using, how they're going about doing it. You're going to have someone that probably like has a professional microphone with a nice interface and then another group that's got a bunch of iPhones. And so because of this, like there's just going to be so many different types of products out there. And sadly, the people that probably perform like the technical side of things better are probably going to be held in higher scores and standards potentially. So like we actually work, yeah. like we have a partnership with RDX and RDX does some of like the live, if not all of the live engineering for Casa. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of on the fence too about like, you know, like how this is going to go and like how we're going to have, you know, have to be really like non-biased and for a lot of these performances. And like, I think it's going to come down to what we talked about earlier saying like, how did this performance make you feel, right? Is there enough substance there in the song is, is the production, I guess, I almost want to say like to enough threshold that you can forget about that and set that aside and say, hey, is this group like really delivering just some incredible content? That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I get where you're coming from that, because I, I remember I sat down and I read through everything and I couldn't just help but to also feel similarly because I'm just like, there's going to be some kind of this wide range of imbalance. It's just going to be like, like you said, you're going to have some groups out there that have that technical person who, you know, has probably been working on mixing sound for a little bit of time or have a, a fairly decent understanding of it. And then, like you said, they're going to be groups out there. They're going to be trying to everybody pull out your iPhones. We're going to make this work somehow. And I'm really hoping 
hoping that they really take in consideration all that, but I just don't see how exactly you do that adequately. I feel so, like you're going to run into an issue kind of coupled with that where you have just a wide disparity, like you were saying, Kyle, in the product that you're getting. And and I think some of that's going to be driven by where a school is at economically. Like if they don't have enough resources, the the group's not going to be able to... I, I feel like there's a ceiling as to how, how good the production can be. And when you factor that in that ceiling is is coming down it's shrinking and and that group just can't break through that yeah and i think another possible bottleneck is you know the individual that is going to have to engineer this whole thing these groups are going to probably heavily heavily depend on one person to put it all together because when it comes to production you you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen right Right. like it's going to have to be the one that's making the final mix or you know, making a, a majority of the edits. And these are college kids too. I mean, college kids, they are already taking what, fi- 15 credits? Right. I mean, well, they could claim that they're busy. Um, <laughs> they're, they're busier than they think they are. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's just going to be added stress to that one individual that has to engineer the rest of the group. So I feel bad for that person. Right. <laughs> but that's what we're, uh, what producers are, are here for. I think that in the acapella now forums, producers are saying, hey, reach out to me if you have any questions. Like we're, we're trying to make ourselves available so these kids have a chance at producing their own music. Yeah. And that's a good point because I, I think about it in the sense that, man, like you're like you're saying with even with mixing, you know, there's so much subjectivity to it. At the end of the day, I'm like everyone has their own unique taste on what they deem important or what they think is, you know, sounds like sounds quality at the end of the day. And unfortunately, you know, especially with college groups, you know, you're still at that point where everyone has tons of different opinions on how they want everything to go. And, you know, some groups a little bit more unified, but, you know, especially well, well, for and, the lesson experience. Judges, one. It's all subjective. They're going to have a different opinion maybe as well like you might think that you're submitting top-notch product and then the judge is like meh don't like it right and yeah you just got to hope that they really have all of these things in check I, i'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out but this is going to be an experience nonetheless we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit a major challenge that we have found with contemporary acapella groups is how to get outsiders interested in the art so i'm wondering if you feel like the acapella community's current output is doing enough to draw those outsiders in or if there's anything that you think can be changed production wise to appeal more to that de- like to that group of, of individuals. I think a good example is Pentatonix, right? So it's funny because I have a client that wants me to mix one of their tracks and they said, we want to sound like Pentatonix and, and, we, and they were referencing their original album. So the all original album was all, I think was produced by a couple like pop engineers. In those types of tracks, the emphasis was on the drums and the lead. And I think that's what's important to appeal to the larger audience, right? It's really getting that heavy, heavy kick, you know, driving the groove and having a catchy lead, right? Because honestly, no one cares about what's in the background. Like acapella listeners love chords. <laughs> they want to hear those sevens and things like yeah. that, or they want to hear that distance. No one gives a crap about that outside <laughs> of that. So you just need to pump up the drums, push the lead forward. It's like baseline too. That's, that's really it. And I think that's engineers and especially engineers who want to appeal to a larger audience need to consider. So so that's, I think that's what we need to bear in mind. That's really interesting to me that you say that because I am clearly not a sound engineer, but like the group I'm currently in, I've said multiple times, I'm like, you guys, it doesn't matter how good the soloist is. If the backing's not there, it's going to sound like crap. <laughs> Spoken like a true acapella person. Right. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I don't necessarily consider myself an acapella 
person. Interesting. Brian, this is the first I've ever heard of that. Definitely consider an acapella person. Yeah, and you know what? I'm the I'm the same way. It's fun. It's funny that Ricky is saying all this because I'm like you're you're speaking truths right now because I listen to all the things. The things that really captivate me is everything that's going on in the background. I'm, to me, I have a very high standard for soloists. So not that our our community is filled with wonderful soloists at the end of the day, but I'm listening more for what's going on in the background because that tends to move me emotionally more at the end of the day and that's what i care more about yeah that's just my if you have yeah. a good arrangement that's all going to come together gonna, right like it's all going to paint like a complete picture but yeah what what about you kyle is that is that ring true to you as well what Rick um saying? yeah i think it does and i i think a lot of that relates to if you were to make a playlist right with you know a bunch of music by like billy eilish and khalid and all these other artists and then you switch over to this Mm -hmm. it's just like a whoa like who just changed the radio station but if you take the time to pay attention to what makes pop music pop music from a technical standpoint and that's like being able to sing along being able to like identify the song like as soon as the first chord or like synth is struck and be able to say like no i'm gonna dance to this and like kind of focus on the things that honestly and like from a kind of like a snotty like a snooty standpoint it's like it's like well people that don't actually like listen to music from a technical standpoint love about music and like it's just like it being able to play in the background and you to walk away and still be like i don't care that like there is a bunch of people talking like i can still hear it and love what's going on and like i think the arrangement is kind of like as long as it doesn't get in the way if i hear Mm -hmm. one more arrangement of like fix you that basically (laughs) (laughs) why did i know um, that was coming i mean think about like all like like all the things about the song like fix you that people love like the build the like this big big moment and sometimes some arranger will be like i don't want to do that right there and then like they take that moment out like this like one hopeful expectation that people have and they take it and they're like wow you just like ruined the song for me because like that's what they know so like if you're gonna cover a really popular pop song which i suggest you do which will like generally help us like reach out to more people to say oh i know that song i might i like it already it's probably gonna be good but if there's something that's like really iconic about the song consider like making that a key element and like not messing with that too much if you want people to say like oh I can relate to this because I love the original song. And if you're going for something that's like a bit more like not as well-known song or not as covered, that's kind of where I think it's easier to have more artistic freedom and still try to be able to connect with people. But yeah, don't throw out the, like the, the hook of the song that people love, you know? Yeah, I, I like that. And what's resonating with me is just this whole idea of just the feel of a song at the end of the day. Because normally, like you're saying, when people listen to the radio stuff, you know, there are certain things that grab them. and But it's also that aspect of, hey, I can walk away and just know that the music is there. I already know everything I love about it. It just feels right. It feels good. And like you said, there's so much as of lately that we've just been trying to reinvent every major pop song and make it sound like a ballad or do something that's just off the walls like you never expect, which is great. I love stuff like that. But in the terms of really helping the growth of the community, maybe we have to be cautious right right well and and back to i mean to ricky's point where you want to have a really sick soloist you want to have really great vocal percussion and a really good bass line that stands out i think of like if i'm at a store shopping and i hear a song that kind of catches my ear i'm not listening for the backing parts of it not even acapella but i'm I'm not listening for the instrumental stuff i'm listening to the soloist so i can hear okay Mm -hmm. i like this song or if it's something i've never heard before if i don't like the soloist i'm switching the station or i'm i'm clicking skip on spotify or pandora or whatever (laughs) 
whatever <laughs> whatever I happen to be listening to. So that's very eye-opening for me as an acapella person that sure. like acapella groups can do to reach a broader audience. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So I'm curious now, now that we've had this in-depth discussion about, you know, what makes music and you know all the different production stuff can you tell us individually what are some of your favorite examples of like well produced acapella or just like really good mixes or what tracks stand out to you when you think about this stuff i know this might be a little bit a bit of a loaded question i'm like there's a lot out there but it's loaded for me because i have to admit i don't listen to studio acapella oh really only because i only work on it now yeah but i voluntarily choose not to listen to it nothing wrong with that that's interesting yeah yeah and i only listen to it now as references so i sometimes ask the clients well what do you want to sound like and most of the time they are they're saying, I want to sound like Pentatonics or Nor'easters. So those are the two references that I get well, at the time. It's funny so. to me because I'm like, Pentatonics is like the gold standard, right? And and this is nothing against any of the groups that you guys have ever worked with. But I'm like, if you want to sound like Pentatonics, you need to sound like Pentatonics from the get-go, I feel like. And so I could sing crap into a microphone and say, make me sound like Pentatonics. I feel like it doesn't matter how good you are. It's not going to happen. No, I get where you're coming from. So maybe let me rephrase uh, the I question. I mean, I might be wrong, yeah. but that's just my impression. No, and I've got the same thing. When I remember when we were working on our album, the one album we did with our group, I played a list of songs for the sound engineer. I'm like, oh, we want to sound like this and stuff. And like, you don't know how hard it is to sound like these people and all the stuff that goes into it. So it's a good point. So maybe let me rephrase the question for Ricky. And maybe that question applies more to Kyle possibly. But Ricky, maybe what are some tracks that got you in? to acapella or maybe specifically the production side of things or the production yeah, yeah. it was most definitely the nor'easters it was that what which album was that it was the one with the drumming song i think that was that was my favorite mix from that from that album because when you, just hearing like all the different percussion percussive elements just like moving around like in your headphones was such a cool experience and i think that's what got me into wanting to record acapella that song is what made me want to get my group to record and then through that experience I wanted to do my own engineering. Yeah, I'd say that that album or that song, particularly drumming song, was the gateway into acapella production for me. Oh, great choice. All right, what um, about you, Kyle? So, I mean, starting way back, I think the the production that got me really into it is the stuff that I actually worked on, for, like worked to record. My groups in college recorded with a Studio 5 Spice Records, Colin Egan and Marianne Chang, and like kind of seeing things come to life, right? So like being able to see the recording process start at one place, like know like, hey, this sounds pretty good live, like when we sing this, but then seeing like oh my gosh like this sounds phenomenal when we actually tune and process everything so i think being really engulfed in the own projects i was involved in was kind of like what i what caught me and what i listened to and then from there i said oh my gosh like there's not just us there's a million people that do this and so from there like you know you discovered like oh my gosh like there's a boca album this has been happening for this has been happening for 20 years oh my gosh like and so like you explore all those and then nowadays like i as well as Ricky I don't listen to nearly as much of it as, as I used to because I work on it I'm always listening and like critiquing mixes and giving feedback but the stuff I really like listening to I love listening to naturally seven and their production Ooh, I don't think choice. it's done by Aka engineers I think it's done by like like big boy big bur- big girl engineers if you guys ever yeah. have a chance I'm gonna throw this song out there just because it's so good and like most of the, if not all of their music is actually original. The song Run To You by Naturally 7, the original song, like that 
song gives me so many feels and it's also wonderfully produced and when you play it for people that don't know who they are they're not going to be like oh it's acapella like they're not going to know they'll just and like that's a perfect example of like (laughs) but things are like processed really hard the overall performance of the solo and just everything the way it comes together is just beautiful so i think like the really really professional stuff i think is is what i listen to now at all if if i listen to any of it yeah nice I, i love that you mentioned naturally seven one of my favorite bands and with that it's time for us to take another break but don't go anywhere because we will be right back with ricky jobberine and kyle howard on the final segment today are you an aspiring sound engineer have we got a show for you the headroom podcast is a podcast for aspiring sound engineers in the contemporary acapella genre join kyle howard and ricky jobberine as they break down the different stages of audio production and chat with other producers about their techniques to achieving the best sound you can find the Headroom Podcast on Acaville Radio Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Remember, Acaville is the place where you can find all the latest in acapella information. Thanks for sticking around with us tonight. We are here with Ricky and Kyle. And as per acapella tradition, we are going to do a quick round of rapid fire questions. It's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit, kind of catch you off guard, which in my opinion is always fun. So, Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so ready. Kyle, are you ready? I'm always ready. So, Brian, how about you start us with our first question? Sure thing. All right. Question one. What is one of your favorite projects you had a hand in producing? For me, it's a group that hasn't debuted yet, but it's called Atlas. Uh, They're my good friends. And yeah, they have great music coming out. Uh, One of my favorite projects was for a group at the University of Mary Washington called The One Note Stand. They just always put so much time and care into their songs. They're really fun to work with. Very cool. Question number two. What is your favorite non-acapella activity? I play Dungeons and Dragons. <gasps> nice, nice. We can nerd out about that yes, after. Yes, talk about that all day. Oh, man, this is, this is hard for me. You know, quarantine has been rough. I, I don't know. I've been going on walks. That's about all I got. It's pretty boring. I you drink a lot I'm of bourbon too. That, you know, I don't know. That's need it. something. Yeah. D&D. Right. <laughs> I, I play streaming. I'm not streaming. We don't stream. I play like via, I do the Roll20 app and then on Twitch. So we can sort of be face to face, but not really. Because, you know, public health. Oh, man. I'm going to have to try this out one day. Three, what was the last album or single that you purchased? Purchased. <laughs> I don't remember. I know. People don't anything. remember this. From all the guests, no one ever remembers, which is why I love this. I'm like, all right, well. See. I don't know the last thing I purchased, so I, I feel you there. I think I know. And it's definitely one of my favorite bands of all time. It's Thrice, and I bought their album called, titled Visu, and that was 2006 2005 i don't and know you remember uh, it that far like it's been that was the last thing i remember because <laughs> I, I just remember picking up the you know going to the record store picking up the album yeah okay what about you kyle my mom got me like a lincoln park cd for when i was for christmas when i was in like fourth grade that was pretty cool i i honestly think one of the last <laughs> songs i bought was I think like when I was a freshman in college, I used to listen to like that one Taylor Swift song, like I knew you were treble, like that song. That was such a fucking jam. And like, I used to listen to that all the time. I think I actually bought that song, but I mean, I I can tell you though, there's an artist that I've been listening to on Spotify and all of a sudden, like this one album just up and disappeared. And I was super pissed like a month ago. And now I found it. I found it online Mm -hmm. and I'm going to buy it. Perfect. It's the album is called the album is called Scorcher <laughs> yeah, by Roman nice, Clark, nice. and 
I think everyone should go buy it and support his, his music so it gets put back on Spotify. Scorcher by Roman Clark. Nice. I love it. Promoting other artists. It's great. Very awesome. Question number four. Cats or dogs? I live with four dogs. So. Cats are so chill, though. Like, I, I don't know. You can actually, like, I, I see myself having them in the studio in the future, you know? So, like, I would love, like, a cat to just lay around and, and like, absorb all the good energy. Cats. So, is your answer cats? Wow. You are the first, first oh, person man. Can I Can I re-record the that, then? Feel free to. No, it's out now, oh, man. man. I have three cats. So, I mean, I, I so appreciate that answer. And I agree 100%. Well, two of my three cats are super chill. Man, I, I'm not even joking. I, I feel like we've had like been doing this consistently for at least ten oh so guests or people. something, and well, everyone and has said dogs. I this love is dogs, interesting. Wow. But I love my cats, okay, and I well. never thought I would have cats. And then I won't tell you that story because it's long. But my <laughs> husband and I then got cats, and now we have three. So wow. All right. Well, we we found the one. All right. Here it is. Question five. <laughs> the one cool cat. Yeah. Right. Final question here. What is your go-to YouTube channel to help you pass the time? I can't pronounce it. It's it's a German word dash in a nutshell. They put out great educational videos. Kurzgat. I man, I'm so terrible at German, but it's educational and the animation is fantastic and it's a great way to just dive into that YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, nice. Adding that to the list. I, I love SNL's YouTube channel. I feel like it's like, oh, like I can just watch one more skit. Oh, you know what? This Here's this, here's this skit from 2003 I've never seen. <laughs> and then it's like, it eventually ends up back to me like right. watching more like Jimmy Fallon JT SNL skits. So I'm just like, all right, I, yes. I, got, I got time to get there. Yes. Also, well, thank you guys so much for those answers. We always like to learn more about our guests outside of acapella. So that's always great to do. All right, to wrap up the show, we always, enjoy ending this last segment with some advice something that our listeners can go away with uh, whether that be something production related something that has just been on your mind that you just feel you just got to get out there to the community so we pose that same question to both of you if you could offer our listeners some advice what would you say for me it's don't be afraid to ask questions there's no stupid question because you know we're all in this together you know the acapella community is fairly small in comparison to the rest of the music industry we're in this together the producers who have done this before are willing to help wonderful i think mine is that if you're part of like a college group and you've been part of a college group for like two to three years it's so worth it removing your blinders and stop like giving yourself tunnel vision like communicate with other groups at your school outside of your school online like now is there's never been a better time to do this and like communicate because you're only going to really make yourself better and your group better in pretty much every aspect that you can by actually communicating and saying hey how did you go about this and you know what are your suggestions for literally anything there's like this big community and just embrace yourself and embrace the other people and one pet peeve if you're an arranger and you're like how do i get better start arranging your drums that's all i just wanted to say that it's so much fun oh, once you man. do it then you're like oh my yes. gosh like this sounds so cool i've seen people do it and i was just like how much of a it's, benefit it's you just the best benefit just... because in like mixing it fills out so much sound but like also it's just like fun once you hear it you're like oh yeah like you just start like moving i've never done yeah. that i'm not a vocal percussionist so i don't know, mm. know where I'm... just throw that in there yeah oh man that's great advice well thank you both so much for that wonderful advice so ricky kyle if our listeners wanted to learn more about what you all are doing about your show about anything going on in your life where could they go i have instagram and i just what? started a tiktok mm -hmm. 
I know I crossed over to get the dark it side, hot. but boy, yeah. did I feel like it's going to happen at some I point. Know. Man, it's <laughs> pretty grinch. Like, is it? Okay. As a as someone who likes to okay, I, as a content creator, it's actually really fun just to engage with strangers. So yeah, follow me at on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, it's at. R-I-C-K-Y-J-A-B. I'm not very active on social media. If you want to get in contact <laughs> with me, you have to personally message me over Facebook or email me at production at cutoffstudios.com. And you can also reach out to, out to us over Facebook and Instagram via the Headroom Podcast. Ricky and I are, are pretty pretty quick with the responses and we're pretty open to starting a conversation about anything that's production and acapella related. That's all. And speaking of Headroom, so when can listeners catch that podcast? Where could they go to hear those episodes? We try to post at least once a week and you can catch us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. It's distributed everywhere we can. Perfect. Awesome. Be sure to check that out. Alicia, for our listeners out there, where could they go to find you? You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Alicia, that's E-L-I-C-I-A, Edwards19. You can also find me on Instagram. My Instagram name is e.squared1989. How about you, Brian? As always, you can find me on Twitter at TheBrianAlexBrian with an I. And please go follow all the work that I do with College Acapella, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, that's going to wrap up today's show. Be sure to follow Tacapella. We have a Twitter account, Tacapella, two P's, two L's. Go to our website, tacapella.org, to hear past episodes, to catch our most recent episodes on Apple Podcasts as well as on our website. And then also, be sure to give Acaville Radio a follow. They are a wonderful platform, which we are able to stream through. Uh, and on that note, that wraps up today's episode. Ricky, Kyle, we thank you guys so much for coming on our show, talking production, talking about your personal taste, and just having an all-around fun time yeah, thank you. today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, not a problem. All right, that's going to do it for Tacapella today. For everything else, stay tuned.